Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our year-long study into revival by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm beginning a new series today, a series I'm very excited about. I've been working on this for months, and it has a lot to do with what we're facing and where we are and the world in which we live and things that we're going to be confronting. And the title of it is Kingdom Living in a Fallen World. Just write that down. Kingdom Living in a Fallen World. And we're going to be talking about what it means to have kingdom living in the midst of this world in which we live. How many of you know what dual citizenship is? Dual citizenship. Well, let me read the definition. Dual citizenship means being a citizen of two countries simultaneously and sharing the rights and responsibilities of the citizens of each of the countries. Dual citizenship, being citizens of two countries at the same time. That would happen in our country if somebody lived in a foreign land and they moved to our country and they wanted to become a naturalized citizen. The United States does not require that somebody lose their citizenship at another, from another country or nation to come and be a part of our country. So somebody would be a, they would have dual citizenship in that country of their birth along with our country because they became naturalized citizens. Dual citizenship. Somebody, anybody in here have dual citizenship in the United States? No one. I think we do have some members that are out here. Oh, yeah. Okay, we have one. Has dual citizenship in the United States. Two different countries. Let me tell you something. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have been saved, you've accepted the gospel of Jesus, and you've asked him to be Lord and Savior of your life, then you have dual citizenship. Right? You have dual citizenship. First of all, you have the citizenship that is here in this world and this nation where you're a part. You were born here, and because you were born here, or if you weren't born here through a naturalized citizen, you became a, a citizen of this country. You became a citizen of this world. That's the first part. That's the first place that you are. But when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and your life, you became a citizen of another country. A heavenly country. Matter of fact, the Bible calls it the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, you became a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Now, the Bible also calls it different things. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of Jesus. It can be the kingdom of the Son. S-O-N. It can be the eternal kingdom, the kingdom of light, or it can be the, capital T-H-E, the kingdom. All through the Bible, it'll identify. But all of those are talking about the same kingdom, which, which I'm calling the kingdom of heaven because it's mentioned so many times in the Word of God. So if you are here today, I hope and pray that you have a dual citizenship, that you are a part of the United States of America, and you're proud of that, but that you also 
are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And they're going to find out how important that is that you be a part of the kingdom of heaven. So we're going to focus in on the kingdom of heaven. We're going to talk a lot about the kingdom of heaven and how that relationship and how that citizenship that you have in the kingdom of heaven should affect how you live in a fallen world, which we live in, a fallen, sinful world. Now, you might say, well, Brother Mac, why is it important for us to be able to study about the kingdom of heaven? I'm glad you asked that question. I want to show you a few things. Hold your hand here for just a minute. Well, let me stop there just a minute and show you, say, where's the biblical basis for this being a part of the kingdom of heaven? It's found here in Hebrews chapter 11. I want to begin reading in verse 13. Let's see what it says. All these, talking about this, remember, these are heroes of faith. These are God's hall of fame. Just a list here in chapter 11. Listen to what it says in 13. All these died in faith without receiving promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. What it says? These people who walked in faith, these people who are the best God has, they walked as strangers and exiles on the earth. Look at verse 14. For those who say such thing make it clear that they're seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of the country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. Listen to verse 16, underline it. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. That's the kingdom of heaven. A country that is a heavenly country, not a country of this world, a heavenly country. Listen to what it says now. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them, all these people who make it into God's hall of fame, all these who are listed as being those that we ought to follow example, what was the difference in them? They lived as alien and exiles in the world because they were seeking a country, not of this world, but a country, an eternal country, a heavenly country that God had prepared for them and is making for them. And they were seeking that. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're seeking the kingdom of heaven. We're seeking to walk obediently to the kingdom of heaven. We're seeking to live in such a way that we're going to receive the rewards of that kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you, just as God prepared a city for those, he has prepared a city and a place for us. Amen? And whenever we surrender our lives and we give our heart to Christ and become a part of the kingdom of heaven, we have a place out there waiting for us one day, a place and an opportunity. Well, why is it important to... To study about the kingdom of heaven. Turn your Bible back to Matthew. I'm going to show you something. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Why is it important for us to preach or teach on the kingdom of heaven? Well, first of all, John the Baptist, whenever he's the forerunner of Jesus. You remember that, don't you? He comes and he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. So what is it that John preaches? Listen to what it says in Matthew 3, 2. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What was the message of John? Repent for what? For the kingdom of what? Of heaven is at hand. So if John the Baptist comes and he has the most important job of all, that is preparing the way for the Messiah to come, if he comes preaching and he's preaching the kingdom of heaven, it might be important. What do you think? I would say it would be important. Well, in case that's not enough for you, turn over in Matthew chapter 4. 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, this is the preaching of Jesus. Verse 17, for that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the what? What does your Bible say? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So not only John the Baptist preached about the kingdom of heaven, but what did Jesus do? He preached about the kingdom of heaven. Look what else he says in verse 23 of the same chapter. And Jesus was going about in all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. What was he proclaiming? The gospel of the kingdom, that kingdom of heaven. The gospel, the good news. How do you attain, how do you get to be a part of the kingdom of heaven? That's what Jesus is preaching. Turn over in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. This is whenever Jesus has called the 12 and he sent them out to carry on ministry. And what is their ministry in verse 7? And as you go, Jesus says to those disciples, as you go... Preach, saying, here it is, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So if John the Baptist came preaching it, Jesus came preaching it, and the disciples have been taught to preach it, do you think that the kingdom of heaven might be important for us to proclaim? You think it might be important for us to understand? You think it might play a vital part in the role of our life as a Christian. It absolutely does. And therefore, we want to focus in on this kingdom of heaven and what it means to be a part of the kingdom of heaven because they preached it. And we've been told to preach it and to share it and carry it on, that kingdom of heaven. Let me show you another reason that it's important. Do you know that 55 times... 55 times in the Gospel of Matthew, which only has 28 chapters, you read about the kingdom of heaven. Let's think about that. 55 times the kingdom of heaven are one of those words, kingdom of God, kingdom of Jesus. One of those phrases about the kingdom of heaven is mentioned 55 times in 28 verses. That means that in 28 chapters, that means in 28 chapters, the average is that there would be two times every chapter that it would be mentioned about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. That's a priority. Well, in Mark's gospel, it's mentioned 20 times in 16 chapters. In Luke's gospel, it's mentioned 45 times in 24 chapters. Do you understand that half of the time, half of those chapters, there's somebody talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of eternity, whatever. It's all throughout the gospels, that kingdom message. It's important. Amen? It's important. The parables of Jesus. How many of you remember the parables of Jesus? He was the great teacher. And he taught what? By parables, by stories. How many parables are there of Jesus? Well, there are 46 parables recorded with Jesus. But they're because of the synoptic gospels, that means that they tell the same stories. Many of them will have more than, uh, they'll have the different uh, parables recorded more than once. There's actually 31 unique 
gospel, I mean parables in the gospels. 31. Now, out of that 31 unique parables, 12 of those parables have to deal with the kingdom. That means that more than one-third of all the parables that Jesus taught dealt directly with the kingdom of God. He would say, the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like. And he would tell a story, tell a parable about what the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is about. So even in his teaching, even in his parables, there is this constant reminder that the kingdom of heaven is important. The kingdom of heaven is important. Now, I want us to talk a minute about the difference between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is where God dwells. We'll talk more about that. It's where God dwells. The kingdom of heaven is an absolutely perfect place. It is totally under the authority of of God. He sits on the throne. There's never been any problem. There's never been any issues. He is totally, absolutely in charge. He never gave any uh, stewardship of its care to anybody else. He's on the throne. He totally rules. And everything is great and wonderful. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. But the kingdom of the world is distinctly different. The kingdom of the world is this world when God created this world. We'll talk about it. God created this world. He created it how? Perfectly. He created it absolutely perfect. And then he created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. And he placed them here and he gave them dominion. Now, that's kind of a unique thing that happened there. He gave them dominion. That, that means that God is ultimately the authority over the world. But, but he also gave stewardship of the world to man. He gave them the opportunity of having dominion. And that started out great. They were perfect men in a perfect world. We know all about that. But they blew it, didn't they? (laughs) They only had one thing they could do wrong, and they did the one thing wrong that they weren't supposed to do. And whenever that happened, that allowed sin to enter into the world. And when sin entered into the world, it not only affected their life, it affected all of the world. And from that point on, the world was scarred by sin. The world was marred by sin. Sin entered into every person who was born of the seed of Adam, and that is all of us, my friend. Sin moved into the world and reigned through the atmosphere, through the controls of the whole world. Sin just dominated, and therefore sin became the prevalent attitude of the kingdom of the world. And it doesn't matter which kingdom you focus on. And there are lots of kingdoms in the world. There, there were the Babylonian kingdoms and the Assyrians. And, and, and there were the Medo-Persians. And there were the Greeks. And there, there were the Romans. And we have kingdoms today everywhere. But it doesn't matter what kingdom of the world you're talking about or what citizenship that you're dealing with. The kingdom of the world is marred by sin. It is marred by sin. And it's distinctly different from the kingdom of heaven, which is absolutely perfect in the sight of God. So, there's a difference between this citizenship that we have. Citizenship in the world and the citizenship of heaven. 
I want to give you a contrast to that. If, if you like to make little charts, you might want to take your paper and draw a line right down the middle. And I want to show you some characteristics that are distinctly different between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven. If you're writing the first on the left-hand side, write worldly citizenship. In your worldly citizenship, here, here's the first thing you need to write down. It was first in your life. It was first in your life, though not first in existence. The first citizenship that you had in your life was your citizenship in a country. When you're born in the United States of America or in its territories, you become a citizen of the United States because you were born here, right? And that's the first thing to have. The first place that you are a citizen is the fact that you are in that country, whatever country you're in, you become a citizen of that country. It's the first one that happens in your life. But over there with the citizenship of heaven, on that first line, you write this, It's not first in your life, but it's most important in your life. Okay? You're a citizen of a country before you become a citizen of heaven. But even though it's not first in your life, it's most important in your life because it's going to deal with eternity and where you're going to spend eternity. So you became a citizen of this country because you were born here, but you become a citizen in the kingdom of heaven later Whenever something happens in your life, whenever something takes place in your life, you're going to become a citizen second in that, not first. Okay, here's number two. Number two, the citizenship of this world, the citizenship that you're in this world, wherever you are in whatever nation, it was created. It was created. There was a time when it was not and it it did not exist from the beginning. I hope you all remember that the United States, the Declaration of Independence was 1776. Y'all remember that? Remember history? I don't think we teach history much anymore, but but y'all remember that? 1776 is the day of independence, you know? So we're a really young, young country. That means that before that time, we weren't weren't a country. We weren't a nation. Every nation that's ever been, there was a point in time when they weren't a nation. And then every nation's ever been, there comes a point when they're no longer a nation. <laughs> I mean, the Babylonians thought they would exist forever, but they didn't. They're, they're in history. The Medo-Persians thought when they defeated the Babylonians that they'd be dealt with all, all the rest of their lives, their, their, their history. The Greeks, Alexander the Great, and the Greeks thought that they would rule the world forever. But their history. The Romans felt like the Romans would dominate. They had the perfect society. Their history. There's so many nations that came into existence that are now history. They, they didn't last forever. They were created. They were created for a season, for a time. And I want to tell you something, my friend. If we don't get, see revival happen, if we don't get on our face for Almighty God and we turn back to God, there can be a time the United States of America is not the United States of America. You better wake up to that fact and that truth. We need God to do a work in us and through us so that we can be the nation that we once were and that we need to be. Amen? That's the truth. We need a spiritual awakening. But the fact that this worldly kingdom, it was created, it didn't exist, and it was brought about. Whereas, secondly, whenever you talk of number two under the heavenly citizenship is there was no beginning. 
It was first, and it's the longest existing kingdom. The kingdom of heaven existed as long as there's God. Because God dwells in heaven. And it has existed forever. There was no beginning. And its existence will continue on. Because God is in charge and God rules and reigns. It's going to last forever. Big difference between those two kingdoms in regard to one did not exist and one could not exist versus the other always existed and will always exist. So which one of those citizenships is more important to you? You need to pray about that and think about that. Here's the third thing, though, under worldly citizenship. It was easy to become a citizen in this world, in this nation. Do you know, you know what you had to do? Be born. Think you can handle that one? <laughs> I mean, all you had to do is be birthed. And whenever you were birthed, you became a citizen of the United States of America. Even in that, if you didn't, weren't born here and you wanted to become a citizen, you do it by a naturalized process. You could do that. But everybody else and all of us, we didn't have to take a test. Aren't you glad you didn't have to take a test to become a citizen? Some of us still wouldn't be citizens. Many of us could not pass that naturalized process because we take for granted because we were born into it. We were birthed into it. But how do you become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? It is not that you are naturally born into it, but rather you have to be reborn into it. Isn't that what Jesus said? Hold your hand here for just a minute. Turn to John, Gospel of John, chapter 3. John, chapter 3, verse 3. He's talking to Nicodemus. And Jesus said this to Nicodemus. Listen. Jesus answered, he said, basically, he said, Rabbi, we know that you're from God as a teacher, for no one can do these things. You do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is, what does it say? What does your Bible say? Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it was easy to become a citizen of this world. You were just born. But in order to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, Jesus says you must be born again. Nicodemus said, do I have to go back in my mother's womb and be born the second time? Jesus says, no, it is not that way. You have to be spiritually birthed. You have to be birthed by God. And he goes on and tells him how that you can be birthed by God in that famous passage of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in his son would not perish but have everlasting life. Would be a part of that kingdom of everlasting life, that kingdom of heaven because he was born again believing in Jesus. So you were born naturally and you became a citizen of the world, but you must be born again to become a citizen of heaven. Number four, the citizenship of this world, it is visible. I mean, when you're a citizen of the United States of America, it's, it's, it's visible. 
You see the United States of America. You see the country that we have, the nation we have. You see the states that we live in. You see all this. And one of our problems in our walk with God and walk in the spiritual world is that we are so tied to what we see. We, we, we walk by sight, not by faith. And we think what is real is what we see. And the reality of it is, is what we see has been created, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2, that what we see has been created by that which we do not see. The visible has been created by the invisible, not the reverse. In other words, God, who's the invisible God, he spoke into existence the visible world. But God existed in invisibility before there was ever the visibility of the world. But because we can see it, we think it's real. Because we see it, we think it's something we can relate to. We're tied to the vision because we can see it. It's visible. It's visible. Versus the kingdom of heaven that is at this point in time invisible. It's invisible. I mean, can, have you looked into heaven lately? You been seeing anybody up there? I'd like to, wouldn't you? Some people I'd like to see again. Uh, what about that? Can, can, do you understand that the kingdom of heaven is, is invisible? It's, it's not visible at this point in time. Now, there's going to be a time whenever he comes and he establishes his kingdom on this earth. And it will be ever more visible in that millennial reign. We will understand what the righteousness of Christ and what he will be like as he is Lord of lords and king of kings. But at this point in time, it is invisible. So which one wins out in your life, that which is visible or that which is invisible? There's a big difference. But remember, the invisible is more real. The invisible will last forever. The invisible is a settled issue, more so than the visibility of this world. Number five, under the worldly citizenship, worldly uh, relationship, it's under the leadership of fallen man. Well, you ought to say, I thank you for saying that, sweetie. I didn't even tell you to do that, but everybody ought to have said that. I'm here to tell you, if you don't see a mess of what we have as far as leadership in our nation right now and, and, and all the things that's going on, it's just a mess. And the reason it's a mess, and it's been a mess not just in ours, all over the world it's a mess. You know why? Because lost people, fallen man, are trying to make decisions that they don't have the ability to make or the wisdom to make. And they're, they're dictated by selfish pride and all kinds of things. It is controlled by fallen man. And it's not going to matter. It's not matter if it's Republican, Democrat, Independent, whoever. It doesn't matter. We all are fallen. We all make mistakes. We all don't see as it ought to be seen. You got that? And the reason we have troubles in this old world is because of fallen man being in charge of it. But when it comes to the kingship or the citizenship in the spiritual world, it is under the leadership of the perfect God. That's one you can rest in, amen? Perfect God, who is full of love, kindness, and mercy, is the one who calls the shots in the heavenly kingdom. And that's where we want to be. That's where we want to rest. That's what of great importance. Number six, under the worldly citizenship, 
It's temporary. It's temporary. Two things can happen. One is you will die, and once you die, you won't be a citizen of the United States anymore. You understand that? I mean, it's not going to matter. It's not going to carry on to eternity. You can die and lose your citizenship. And the second thing is that country can no longer exist. I mean, in, in my lifetime, I've seen countries in Europe and Asia that they were countries and all of a sudden they weren't countries anymore. And they were one country and they were divided up into five countries. Most of them, which I can't pronounce the name of. Glad I don't have to live there because I don't know if I could spell it. You know what I'm talking about? Uzbekistan and all those places. It's a whole lot easier. United States of America, a lot easier to write than Uzbekistan. They didn't exist, then they did exist, and they don't exist anymore. No country, as we talked about, all these other kingdoms, they had existed and they don't exist anymore. It's temporary. If you're tying your life to this world, if you're banking on everything in this world, if you're putting all your investment in this world, I'm going to tell you, you're losing. You're going to lose because it's temporary. That's just the way worldly kingdoms are. Whereas the heavenly kingdom is eternal. It lives forever and it will never, ever be defeated. It can't be defeated, and it will exist forever. It will exist as long as God exists, and we can rest in that. Now, hold on a second. One's temporary, and one's eternal. Where, where do you want to bank? What, what, what is the priority of your life? What matters most in your life? Think about it. Number seven. In this old worldly citizenship, there are rules that are not righteous and decisions that are unjust. Did you know that? that there are rules that are not righteous. There, there's decisions that are unjust. Sometimes, sometimes you, you can read in the paper. You can see all that. You, you can see it. See, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but, but I can look at that and say, that just, that's not right. That doesn't smell right. It doesn't look right. It don't even taste right. If it don't smell, look, taste right, more than likely it's not right. And, and common folk can look and see that's unjust. That's not righteous. But in this world, that's everywhere. In these worldly kingdoms, that's everywhere. But, but wait a minute. Number seven under the heavenly citizenship, the laws and principles of heaven are just they're always just. They're always right. They're always good. And you know what? Whenever you get to heaven, there's not going to be a bunch of rules up there you're going to have to learn. Did you know that? You know why? You know why? Because when you get to heaven, he's going to write his law upon your heart. You have that opportunity here to some measure where his spirit convicts you and me and his spirit leads us in what we ought to do. But when we get to heaven... We're going to have the mind of Christ. Whenever we get to heaven, we're going to know what is right within our spirit. We're going to naturally do what is right within our spirit. And it will always be just. It will always be right. Well, take those lists. Look at them. I'm serious. This week. Take your list and look at them and say, this is 
for this long, and this is for that long, and this is unjust, and this is just, and which one I write. Just take and look at the list. And whenever you take and look at the list, it it brings you to some important questions that we're going to be posing and answering over these, these next few weeks. One of the questions is this. How much do you even know about the kingdom of heaven? How much do you know about the kingdom of heaven? Have you ever taken time to study about the kingdom of heaven? Have you ever looked into the details of the kingdom of heaven? Have you ever seen what the Bible says from Old Testament and New Testament about the kingdom of heaven? What do you know about the kingdom of heaven other than the fact that there is one? We ought to know about it, shouldn't we? Jesus preached it. His parables were about it. The New Testament is full of the kingdom of heaven. Well, if it's that important, we ought to know something about the kingdom of heaven. If you're a child of God and you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you ought to know something about it. Somebody ought to be able to come and ask you, hey, would you tell me a little bit about what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Some of us would be so lost in that, we'd be like Barney Five trying to do the preamble to the Constitution. Y'all know what I mean, right? All the way he got it was word by word Andy gave it to him. We have to be spoon-fed what we know about the kingdom of heaven. That's not right. Somebody ought to be able to ask us about our citizenship and the kingdom of heaven, and we ought to be able to tell them some things about the kingdom of heaven that they would need to know and they would understand that would beckon their heart that they want to be a part of that kingdom. So how much do you know about it? Second question How does your citizenship in heaven cause you to live differently in this world? That's the real thing. How how do you being a citizen of heaven and, and and a part of the kingdom of heaven directly affect how you live here in this world? We're supposed to be different. What did Jesus teach? You've got to be different. The world will do this. That's that citizenship, but you are to do this. The world will be like this, but you are to be like that. That's what Jesus taught us. And so how much does your citizenship in the kingdom of heaven, which is of utmost importance, and finally and ultimately will be the only thing that's important, how does it affect you living in this fallen world right now? If you're like the rest of the world, then you're not what Jesus wants you to be because he says that Christians ought to be distinctly different. They ought to be distinctly different because they have a citizenship that the world does not know in the kingdom of heaven. And finally, listen to me now. If there is a conflict between the two citizenships, A conflict between your citizenship in heaven and your citizenship of whatever nation, whatever world, kingdom you'd be a part of. If there's ever a conflict between the two, which one wins out? Which one wins out? You need to know that. You need to find that out. You need to search your heart. You need to ask that question before it's ever posed to you. 
If I'm faced with the issue of what I've got to decide, what God tells me to do and what the kingdom of heaven commands me to do versus what the world says I should do or man says I should do, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You need to have thought that out. Because you may have a time and already can have those times when you're faced with what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Hold on a second. Before you make that easy choice, you know what the easy choice is? I'm going to do whatever it takes me to live. I'm going to do whatever it takes me to live. That's the most important thing for me to live. It's the most important thing. Let me, let me tell you something. For you to live is not the most important thing. For you to be obedient to Almighty God is the most important thing. And for you to stand for Almighty God knowing that you've done what you need to do and you've been faithful to Him, that's the most important thing. Oh, Brother Mac, you just don't know. You, you don't know. I mean, God gave me a brain for me to figure this out. Well, God gave us all a brain. That's usually our problem. Because we think we can figure it out when God tells us just to be obedient. I mean, let's just face it. I mean, what, what would you do? Whenever they approached Daniel and said, Daniel, if you go and pray anymore, we're going to throw you in a lion's den. What would Daniel's brain said? Hey, bud, don't pray. You're going to get thrown in the lion's den. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Tell me. His brain would say that. Well, what did Daniel do? He went and prayed because that's what God in the citizenship of heaven had commanded him and told him to do. And he got thrown in a lion's den. Certainly did, but he lived through it. Amen? The three Hebrew children I mentioned earlier, whenever they get thrown in the fire, if you don't bow down and worship, we're going to throw you in the fire. What does their brain say? Bow down and worship. Bow down and worship so you can live. They didn't say that. They said, the God we serve, we will not bow down to any other God other than him. If he is able to save us, if he doesn't save us, that's okay. We're going to serve him anyway. And they walk around in the fiery furnace with a son of God walking beside them. Come out, don't even smell like smoke. How? Because they made a decision of what citizenship would dictate to them what they were going to do. You will be faced with that in your life. You better decide what you're going to do. Because it may cost you your life. But that's okay. He's got you in the palm of his hand. Amen? He's got you in the palm of his hand. And he doesn't always save people out of the fiery furnace. He doesn't always save people from the lion's mouth. The first century church knows that. But whenever they left the citizenship of this world... Their citizenship in heaven was settled. They left this world to a far better place described by the kingdom of heaven. So now I hope you understand why we would talk about kingdom living in a fallen world. What do you do? How do you do? How do you live it? It's going to tell us very distinctly. But you better know the difference between the kingdom of heaven kingdom of the world and you need to make sure you've got that issue settled that you're a part of the kingdom of heaven that concludes this week's message from brother mac additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series Jesus said, 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.